I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination. Nerdapalooza, the world's largest nerd music festival, and with the generous support of listeners like you. For more Nerdy Show podcasts, community forums, and learn how you can support this and other fine Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com. I'm Billy D. Williams, and you're listening to Nerdy Show. Welcome to Nerdy Show, a weekly podcast dedicated to every facet of nerddom. From comics and video games to science and technology, if it's geeky, we've got it covered. And this is an episode of State of the Empire. It's too long. You went on too long. You lost it now. You had me, then you lost it. Sorry. Hey, I'm Cap. Hi, I'm Hex. Hey, I'm Doug. Hi, I'm Matt. <laughs> ba, 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 ba. The force is the force is not strong with this one. In fact, the force is very strong with Matt. Matt is our Star Wars Indeed. expert. We're all experts in our own way on Star Wars, but Matt more so than most. I am, of course, the music expert. Ba, 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 ba. <laughs> Thank you, music director Hex. State of the Empire is our Star Wars speculation podcast where we dish on all the latest news relating to Star Wars and also speculate on some things that uh, may or may not be true. We use our four senses to try to, you know, predict the future. Hopefully steer the course in the right direction. <laughs> yeah. Oh, geez. Stay on target. Yeah. Try to just like lift this beauteous X-Wing out of the slushy muck that is the Dagobah septic tank. Cool. Good. Yeah. Didn't really think about that one, but... Well, we got news to match. (laughs) (laughs) Here's the big bad news that's on everybody's mind. Yeah. Michael Arndt, fantastic writer of Little Miss Sunshine, Toy Story 3, a man who on this very show we've said many times how thrilled we were that someone so capable of creating a dramatic and yet funny ensemble cast as far as the script writing everything, dude's not on Star Wars anymore. Kicked off. Or something. Bum, 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 uh, it's bum. A surprising lack of uh, circumstances in which he left. Yes. They're not talking about that. They're just talking about who's who's in. Yeah, they're just, Kathleen Kennedy was just like, oh, well, you know, he put in a lot of work. And now he's, now he's, and not, now he's not here. <laughs> Actually, I thought it was pretty insulting because when they announced it on StarWars.com, they said, Master Filmmaking Team announced for Star Wars Episode Seven. And it's like, like, didn't we already have one? (laughs) (laughs) And all they were announcing was that J.J. Abrams and Lawrence Kasdan were taking over as the lead writers. Kasdan, great name. Yeah. uh, Not really known as a master to anyone. J.J. Abrams, uh, as far as I'm concerned, he makes a lot of money. He's still a young upstart. Mm -hmm. So there's no master anything about that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure Michael Arndt would be the first person to say that, well, I'm not a master. I'm just a screenwriter. And we'd go, shut up. You're smart. You know, he's not a master, but he's extremely good. And it doesn't really. Well, because that's the thing. The team together was the young blood. I like the idea of Michael Arndt, J.J. Abrams. You throw them together. I felt like something good would come out of there. Right. Very fresh. Yeah. 
Whereas Kazdan, I mean, I got nothing against Kazdan. Don't don't get me wrong. It's just I wanted something new. Right. And, and JJ is not good at giving me something new. <laughs> if you've seen the last two Star Treks. <laughs> we're, I guess, as a group, predominantly skeptical of what JJ Abrams can bring as far as writing, directing. He's probably a good yeah. choice. Yeah. I mean, well, the, the thing that bugged me the most was the rumor that not only was he obviously the, the news is that he's not a part of the project anymore, but the rumor was that everything that he wrote complete rewrite yeah like that, that, he's, that it, they're not taking any of his stuff it's page one so. according to badass digest editor devin farasi who cites inside sources abrams and kazdan will completely rework our script from square one quote this isn't a rewrite this is a completely different movie with different main characters that's what i'm just like what what the f-? so does that say anything about the original cast members being involved like clearly the rumors are they're going to be involved right so does that mean Arndt's script, the main characters weren't the original cast, which I think was a good idea. I'd be willing to bet that was the case, that yeah. Arndt wasn't writing with them in mind. I just so badly want to know what happened, but I feel like we're never going to know because it's, Yeah, you know, and I think the response has been so positive about the idea of bringing back the old cast. That might be one of the reasons why they went this direction. It's, it's such awful. a shame. And, uh, you know, uh, Kathleen Kennedy, she's actually struggling right now in the wake of this news. I mean, because obviously we're all here. We're worried about it. There's another reason to be worried about it, not just in, in the quality of content, but in the time they have to complete this project. Yeah, because if they're starting from scratch, they got to rewrite a whole damn script because and a whole new story. Michael like, Arndt was working on a 40 to 50 page draft or synopsis or something before a year ago when the uh, purchase announcement was even brought to the Yeah, the he was working on it like before we ever even knew about it. Right. So now they're going to throw a year and a half of work at least away and start on something new. Well, Kathleen Kennedy, rumor is she wants to push the release date to 2016, and um, she is not getting support from Disney on that one. Oh, God, no. It's terrible news. Uh, Robert Iger is holding the fort 2015 or bust, and actually J.J. Abrams agrees with him. Oh, no. Oh, wow. The only way I think that might work is if they're like, oh, the rumor said it's a complete rewrite is maybe not true. Maybe it's just little tweaks here and there, and they're going to go into production on schedule. Either that or this is actually old news and they've already been writing. Maybe, but you, I don't know. I, the way it broke, I don't know. Yeah. It, it, it just, it, it, it seems sounds, unlikely. It sounds like the boat's rocking over there and they're, I would rather them delay it and make it I good mean, if it's, than it's rush all, to meet a deadline. If it's also the writer, as J.J. Abrams in that role, the, that hat mm-hmm. is saying, no, we can do 2015, then. Yeah, but I don't, uh, J.J. skills as but a writer, also, I, I, mean, don't, that I don't also think they match him, aren't. Or, that also might be him going, oh, Disney says it's 2015. Yeah, we can do it. We can do it. Of course, of course Disney wants to abide by the deadline because they got a theme park cranking out. They got video games and all this other shit. Like they're trying to make it all happen, at, you know, on their timeline. Instead of having the film be good. Also, Kasdan is technically listed as producer for 789 and said had he was writing episode 9, supposedly. They might just be like moving things forward. Kasdan may have already had a bunch of ideas. Interesting. Moving things forward. Well, Kasdan did have that relationship with George Lucas where he was hearing what the extended universe would eventually one day be. So he knows that better than most. So... That's something, I guess, but... He's been deeply involved for a very long time, and there's some words of encouragement from uh, the Huffington Post, actually. There's an article we'll link to on this episode's page where uh, they wrote about how Episode 7 is not the first time there's been drastic writing shakeups, tying back to Empire Strikes Back, of all things, where there was an original script by Lee Brackett, and she wrote about all kinds of things that shaped the whole scope of what Lucas's vision may have been in her script. Vader wasn't Luke's father. Oh, oh wow. Hmm. And you can actually read the whole thing online. We'll link to it on this episode's page. I haven't had a chance to read this early script of Empire Strikes Back yet, but I mean, this is all based on what Lucas gave her 
So it's an interesting portal into how incomplete his vision was for what we assumed it was That's at that the, point in time. Yeah, in fact, you know what? You're bringing back a lot of memories and then talking about even Return of the Jedi. There was a lot of changes at the last minute. I mean, I remember hearing drafts of a story where, based on that draft of Empire, you'd find out that Luke does have a sister, but it's not Leia, and that sister has secretly been trained by another Jedi across the galaxy, and then she shows up to come fight. And then in Return of the Jedi, Luke Skywalker gives in to the dark side, kills Darth Vader, and then when he sees the Rebel Alliance fighting the Death Star, he's like, oh shit, what have I done? Puts on Darth Vader's costume, and then is like... I'm Darth Vader. Cancel the attack. And they're like, yes, yes, Lord Vader. What <laughs> wacky shenanigans. I know. That's so crazy and different. Sounds <laughs> kind of cool in one way, but in another way, it's crazy but and But it's different. also dripping of a lot of deus ex machina. Yeah, but well, that maybe that's why they didn't do it, obviously. Yeah. You know, like they clearly went in a different direction. So maybe it's for the best. Anything could happen at this point, but I would, I mean, just based on his previous work, Michael aren't being off this, man. We're just pouring one out for you, dude, because yeah. Yeah. Our, our hopes were with you. He was our, cha- he was my champion of the Star Wars movies at this point, but well. Mm-hmm. He was the new hope. Yeah, he was. He was my new hope. <laughs> You know, we all know this is happening the summer of uh, 2015. We may actually know the month now based on um, there's a window that all major studios are avoiding placing any major release in is in August. Hmm. So I'm sure there's plenty of people out there who actually know when this movie's slated for and they know better than to put their films in August. Yeah, because no one wants to compete with a Star Wars. Well, no, no, even even the bad ones made a lot of money. There's another cost to the speed that they need to develop this film with, and that is that there are two production designers on episode seven, Rick Carter and Darren Guilford. Having two at the same time is highly unusual and points to them developing all those uh, aspects of the, the sets they'll be filming in and all that stuff for a lot of tandem filmmaking over at Pinewood. Interesting. Pinewood where, rumor has it, another rumor from uh, Latino Review, they are building a Millennium Falcon. Um, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. As far as Latino Review, I don't know. Like, yep. uh, it's, we'll, we'll I, I, I too will believe it when I see it. But if they are building Millennium Falcon, the question begs to wonder, is it for one of the Star Wars spinoff films or is it for episode seven? Ooh. That's a very good question. In relation to those Star Wars spinoff movies, well, we kind of know what the content is now a little bit. An offhand remark from Disney's Jay Rasulo suggests the spinoffs will indeed be origin stories. No! Uh, this is from uh, Talkie Hat with Variety. One Star Wars trilogy film or origin story film would also appear on the release schedule each year, starting with the seventh installment in the Star Wars saga. That's a very weird, wordy quote, but basically... Starting with the seventh film, every year after that, there will be an origin film. Yeah. Again, we're going to go into this thing again about Han Solo. No one wants Han to see the Han Chewie, Solo Avenger. I don't want to see a... Jabba's of, uh, origin. I don't, I don't care. I don't, because they're going to be... I episode, episode four was Luke's origin story. Why don't we just continue that story? Like, why don't we just move forward, do the I whole... mean, my guess is, like, it'll be movies in tandem with characters introduced in seven. Kind of like Avengers styles. The worst guess. part about the Avengers franchise is the origin films. <laughs> like the, getting to the Avengers was the, was the only reason they made those origin films. So people would know. But if you're doing Star Wars, unless, I mean, they're making whole new characters. The Avengers handicapped those origin films. Like, I feel like they were worse because of the Avengers. Yeah. Like, and I feel like the, the Star Wars spinoff is going to suffer the same thing. It's like, how come all of the Star Wars characters graded as a different time, but the original trilogy, we didn't get origin stories for those characters because the movie was their origin story. Right. So we're making new characters. Well, we've got to make origin films. No, just make those movies the origin story. Like, part of the beauty of of not knowing everything about Han Solo is that he can at any moment go, oh yeah, and there's this old friend of mine, Lando Calrissian, and it's like, brand new experience. Right. Being introduced to this character, you have no idea who he is, no preconceptions. So, like, oh, okay, he seems like a nice guy. Nope. 
Well, well, not to mention origin stories for superhero films work one way, because if you're introducing a superhero that people haven't heard about before and they have uh, 30, 40, 50 years of history, you got to explain why does he shoot webs? Why does he climb the wall? Why, how can he afford the armor to build that? Wait, why did he decide to become a superhero? You know, you have to explain that to people because there's so much history. Right. If you're starting from scratch, why just do you have need a good to do that? F- just have a good time. Yeah, right. just make it a good movie. But it's like, well, no, no, we're going to do origin stories about characters we already know. If we already know them, we don't need an origin story. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Yep. Nerd rage. <laughs> I'd be willing to see a Boba Fett film. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't, but no, 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 no. Let, my arm. Be, no, 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 no. <laughs> Let me finish the, the thought because it's, it, I'd be willing to see a Boba Fett film more so than any Han Solo origin, uh, Wicket origin, whatever origin <laughs> they're talking about doing. Wicket? Is, I, that I, not, is that on the table? There's a Jabba one. There's a Yoda one. I don't care about any I, of that. I, Wicket's origins are, are well taken care of. <laughs> yeah, there, no. there were two television films uh, and an entire animated series, Doug. <laughs> Either way, if whatever the origins that they think they're going to do, if they end up doing a Boba Fett one, that's the one out of all of them. I'd be like, okay, yeah, I'd see that, but I'm not even super excited about. What I'm super excited about is episode seven, eight, and nine. Because I feel like that out of all the characters Characters has potential for a spin-off movie for new fresh stuff that we haven't seen. You know who who doesn't want to be involved with the Boba Fett film? Joss Whedon. There was a really fantastic, uh, lengthy interview with him on uh, Entertainment Weekly. They asked, so if Disney said, here's the Boba Fett movie, you'd say no? To which he replied, I can't say for sure because that's a tasty morsel, but right now my heart doesn't go that way. And he said this while elaborating on his desire for projects to be new. Uh, in a statement that I think is really meaningful to the current film climate, he said, it's very important that we start creating new content again. We can only build on nostalgia so much before we have nothing left to build on. Mm. Before we're rebooting Spider-Man again, it's dangerous to the culture and it's boring to me. I squeezed in between my Avengers movies a 400-year-old play. I really need to create something new. I love this no, man. Yeah, no, it's a great... Because again, Boba Fett, an origin movie about Boba Fett, that's 100% fan service. Yeah. That's all that is. If they're doing origin stories about new characters, then, well... Joss Whedon put it best of like... You can only build on nostalgia so much. I want new stuff. I want yeah. new stories. I agree. I would be interested in uh, a Boba Fett movie if done by uh, Joe Johnston, since yeah. he originally designed the character. It'd be interesting to see his take. I mean, because he wouldn't necessarily be a kid in, in his origin movie, because we've already seen him as a kid. He would have to be, this would have to be a transition into being a badass. Not, you know, Anakin Skywalker as a little tot, but <laughs> like a real origin into boba yeah it's, as we it, know how. it's a rare exception to everything we've been saying because joe johnson has been behind the boba fett spinoff film camp uh since the beginning and since he sort of co-created the character he's allowed to say that yeah yeah <laughs> now let's talk about the casting of episode seven there's been a little things here and there for example uh actor david oyelowo from the butler went into a tryout for an unknown role in star wars and fruitvale stations uh michael b jordan who's also rumored to be the next johnny storm in the fantastic four reboot went in to meet jj abrams personally those guys are rumored but uh, also several acting agencies that specialize in talent with certain physical attributes received a very Wookie smelling casting call for a tall man, <laughs> seven foot to 7.3 feet tall, with a slim build, upright posture, and uh, broad facial features would be a bonus. So, possible Wookie sighting in the casting. <laughs> you know, the original cast still is not 100% confirmed, except that as it's been since practically we started doing State of the Empire, it's not 100% confirmed, but mm-hmm. it's basically confirmed mm-hmm. because Mark Hamill's old pal, Freddy Krueger said that uh, Mark is getting ripped and he's doing physical training right now to get back in the role. That is, of course, 
Robert Englund, the guy who plays Freddy Krueger. Not actually Freddy Krueger. Because it was Freddy Krueger. It's like, oh, he was dreaming about working out. He wasn't really working out. <laughs> Freddy Krueger says Mark Hamill's going to get ripped. <laughs> <laughs> You're looking to get ripped. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's, I'm, I was excited to hear that when that when that little rumor yeah. broke out. I'm like, oh man, I want the Jedi diet. What's what's Hamill working with? I want to know. Uh, well, according to Robert England, uh, sit-ups. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, <laughs> looks like the Jedi diet's not for me. <laughs> but the the real weirdness of the casting uh, involves Harrison Ford and a lot of strange stuff that's been bubbling up. I don't know how true it is. Yeah, um, I read an article uh, that was talking about. They said, oh, according to our source. It's just for sure. They just haven't announced it yet. But uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read you like the, the supposed things that got Ford to actually f- finally agree to sign on. Supposedly, it said that uh, Ford wanted to see the synopsis for his character's development over more than just episode seven. So like he wanted to see something more than just what the next film is going to be. He wanted like a, a treatment for the next trilogy. And if there's any spinoffs, apparently they gave this to him in August and he was pleased with it, thought it was fine. He also wanted a commitment to Indy 5. So hold on, hold on. They were, he was given a treatment that he's okay with in August. Isn't everything being rewritten right now? This is just a rumor. Uh, okay. Yes, yes, Hex. You're putting the clues together because it has been speculated that this was part of the shakeup. So uh, apparently he also wanted a commitment about Indiana Jones 5. What? And, and what? he wants Indiana yeah. Jones now well, canon in the Star but, Wars but that, universe. But that can't happen because there's no script. There's, nothing, there's literally nothing planned for Indiana Jones 5 other than Harrison Ford would like to make it. Steven Spielberg has expressed some interest, but there's just there's nothing. And it's not up to Disney because that's uh, still co-owned with Paramount. Yeah. yeah. Indiana Jones and the retirement home. So there was that. But also I had a bit about uh, Anthony Daniels. Ooh. He was on like a stage talking to, you know, honest fielding questions. And um, when he was asked about, will C-3PO be in episode seven or whatever? He said, uh, walls have ears and we know what they look like. They're very big ears. And then he starts <laughs> pantomiming Mickey Mouse ears <laughs> over his head. You know, just and then sort of like smiles and then, you know, let's let's that go. And it says um, uh, towards the end of this panel, someone asked about him being the only actor who appeared in all six episodes. Like, dude, you're the, you're the only actor who's appeared in all of them. Can't you tell us anything about, you know, about maybe being that same actor if they're going to carry that tradition to episode seven? It's all six, maybe seven. So then Anthony Daniel said, yes, I am the only actor to be in all seven because I feel. And then he caught himself. And, and then he says, six, whatever. <laughs> and then he did the big ears thing again with Mickey, Mickey Mouse ears over his head. So that was him. Either just a simple slip up, the uh, Freudian slip or whatever. But I thought that was charming. The fact that he uh, played it off pretty, you know, pretty well. So that was nice. <laughs> but he didn't have any other comment about that outside of that. What about Kenny Baker? Wasn't Kenny Baker and all? Uh, Kenny Baker is replaced by a robot now. For the listeners that can't see, I was incredibly crestfallen by that. <laughs> Honestly, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I'd rather have Anthony Daniels back than Harrison Ford. Agreed. It's, well, that would make sense because he's a damn robot. It's not like, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's also his passion is still there. Yeah. And looking at Indy 4, like, there's something sad about watching the character age in front of you. Anthony well, Daniels doesn't have to do that. Yeah, I th- but I think Harrison Ford is aware of all that. Unless and he kind of wants get... to set the record straight. It's um, like the, the impression I get. Maybe that's why he wants Indy 5. Maybe I'm just reading too hard into it. Like, maybe that's what I'm projecting my, what I want into it. But it seems to me that Harrison Ford was like, let's do it right. You know, like, come on, you know, there's only so many indie films left, so let's knock one out of the park. But I also have, besides the cast, different crew that's been chosen. Because mm-hmm. when it was announced that Michael Arndt was no longer going to be involved and they're bringing in JJ and they're bringing in Kazdan to work on the script, uh, what I got here is the director of photography is Dan Mindel. He worked on Mission Impossible 3 and both of the new Star Treks. Production designers, which Cap already mentioned, uh, worked on uh, Lincoln and Avatar and Oblivion and Tron Legacy. The costume designer 
Michael Kaplan, he worked on Into Darkness, also Mission Impossible 4, and Fight Club. Ooh. Ooh, he assembled a bunch of random clothing. Yeah, just like, ratty clothing. Project <laughs> Mayhem, those sweaters were really, really you know. I, the ooh is more of how diverse that is. Well, and the experience. The experience yeah. this guy, yeah. this person has had. Right, that's what I'm more talking about. I know, instead, I know, I know. Uh, special effects, <laughs> okay. <laughs> special effects supervisor, Chris Corbold from The Dark Knight Rises and Inception. Sound designer, Ben Burt. <gasps> nice. So I don't have to explain where he is. Nope. Nope. Uh, yeah, you, you should though. Yeah. Ben Bird is the guy who invented all the sound effects for Star Wars. He's been in every Star Wars movie. He's a genius. He's awesome. It was amazing being there at the interview when I went with Mark with a C to Star Wars Celebration. Because mm-hmm. Mark is like the biggest audiophile you will ever meet. Oh yeah. And having him geek out for two reasons in an interview with Ben Burt was phenomenal. Just like him talking <laughs> about. So so when you I, in my mind, what I imagined was like Chris Farley from those Saturday Night Live interviews. When, when so like, you did so, that, so when you when you invented the uh, the audio black hole, that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but it was actually a lot. It was it was a lot better than that. You should go listen to that interview because it was amazing. We'll link to it on this episode's page. Also uh, announced is the re-recording mixer Gary Rydstrom, who worked on Jurassic Park and Saving Private Ryan. Supervising sound editor Matthew Wood from The Master and There Will Be Blood. He's a genius. Wow. Like, like continuously, like, the most, like, Oscar-nominated, like, sound person out there today. He actually did Grievous's voice in episode three. They were going to hire, like, a real actor, but... Lucas fell in love with his voice for Grievous. And That's so, awesome. That's uh, super weird. Yeah, spared, <laughs> spared no expense. <laughs> Visual effects supervisor, Roger Guyot, who worked on uh, Into Darkness and Episode 3. But he also is like, he works at Industry Like Magic, so that just, that just goes to figure. Yeah. So those are the crew that uh, apparently are. But hey, that's like names associated with the project for the first time ever. Right. <laughs> and it's and and it's they're all good at what they do. So yeah. I mean, we're not walking away going, oh, man, that guy is not good at what he does. Even the people that were with the bad movies, like, well, I mean, their job was to make the movie look good and it looked good. OK, so Michael Arndt, obviously, we've already said a million times he's not going to be working on the next Star Wars. Spill out the blue milk for him. Uh, when I was researching, like, well, what's Michael Arndt? Maybe what's he got lined up? You know, like, what's, is there maybe conflict? Like, what, like, I was trying to figure out what was the reason why. On October 27th of 2011, so this is going back, it was announced that Michael Arndt had been hired to write a draft for the Phineas and Ferb theatrical film. In October 2012, so a year later, Disney moved the release date to 2014. And then in August of this year, so this past August, the film was removed from Disney's schedule altogether. This led to the speculation that the film is probably was canceled. But the uh, co-creator, Phineas and Ferb, uh, Jeff Marsh, confirmed on his Twitter that the movie has just been put on hold and they're still doing it. So the next Michael Arndt film, possibly, is the Phineas and Ferb movie. God damn it. God damn it. So I was just like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Star Wars, Phineas, and boy, Michael Arndt. I mean, I like Phineas and Ferb, but I just feel so bad for Michael Arndt. Right. Right. Yeah. Going from the Star Wars to the poor man's cat dog. Uh, these aren't the droids you're looking for. <laughs> these aren't the droids. Is that the title of this episode? I, I just came up with that, yeah. and I want to these use that. Aren't the aren't the droids you're looking for? <laughs> oh man. <laughs> How about some happier news in Star Wars? Oh please, is there hap- is do we have any happy? We news? can we can cheer up a little bit. Star Wars Rebels is still on the way, and there's been some new stuff released about it, and it looks pretty good. Yay, pretty, pretty good. good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a, a teaser trailer was released that was like not even worth mentioning, so let's move on. Um, <laughs> it's like pretty good, not worth mentioning, but whatever. Here's here's the money shot at New York Comic Con. Rebels executive producer David Filoni, who is of course of Star Wars Clone Wars, 
introduced the first new character, the series' first major villain, the Inquisitor. He's tasked by Darth Vader to track down the final remaining Jedi Knights. Okay, that's pretty cool. It's well, kind of cool, but why doesn't like, Vader just do it himself? Well, what I'm most excited about is the line, the remaining Jedi Knights. Right. They actually exist. The show is set 14 years after Revenge of the Sith. I'm excited that the whole prospect of there, there will some, be limited Jedi after right, this. Right. They, yeah. they, they survived that initial calling yeah, and they're still running years, around. Yeah. So this, that's awesome. I now turn to our own personal holocron, Mr. Matt Spill, Indeed. <laughs> who has a lot to say about this Inquisitor thing. It's cool in one regard because they're definitely drawing on some expanded universe backdrop. The Inquisitors are from like the old Star Wars RPG. Uh, you know, they're dark Jedi that it's almost like they're a, uh, a political branch of the Empire that essentially is responsible for like keeping religious movements such as, you know, the Jedi and things like that in check. And so, you know, they are essentially expert Jedi hunters. But what's interesting about this is like they're making it one character instead of like the long list of Inquisitors that they've had throughout the years and decades. And they're being revisionists, but at the same time, they're clearly drawing from some old material. But it also might be that this is like the prototypical character that all he's going to start like he'll, like he'll pin a Jedi down and be like, you can join me and be an Inquisitor and I'll be your master and we can go hunt Jedi or I just kill you now. That's a cool scenario right. to have. Yeah. But it's also, it's like, if this is drawing from Expanded Universe, it might be that this is where all the other Inquisitors draw from. This was the first person who was yeah. handpicked by Vader. Well, uh, Matt, I believe it goes back farther than that, right? As yeah, far as well, I mean, 14 years after Revenge of the Sith would be pretty pretty late to be the mm. first Inquisitor. Gotcha. But they don't have to follow the strict version of history, I guess you would call it. I would be okay with it being like the first of many Inquisitors. It, it's such a cool character idea. They're not Sith. And in Dark Jedi is probably not like a, a proper term either. Probably a lot of them were Dark Jedi because they used to be Jedi. I mean, a lot of them were during Order 66 was literally repent by the sword. You know, like you can either join the dark side or you die. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of them have some cool, interesting paths. I don't know. Did you guys ever play um, the second Dark Forces game, Jedi Knight? No. Nope. No. Okay. The, the bad guy from there, Jarek, he was one of the Inquisitors. There's just a lot of really, really cool characters from back in the day. Let's talk continuity. How likely would you say that this new character, the Inquisitor, is actually attached to previously existing continuity and they're just sort of talking about it as though it's completely fresh? I'm going to go with, based on what they've already done towards the end of Clone Wars, 0%. <laughs> I'll, I'll make it one percent just the hope but when they're killing characters that have already died in novels that like came out only a few months prior <laughs> oh man know, it, that's bad it, yeah it starts to show that you know one hand doesn't talk to the other so you know you have to take the good with the bad it's the story of star wars <laughs> yeah <laughs> and the poor guy that actually runs star wars is holocron is just going no but it's he's already oh he said Bass died, so who cares what he says? <laughs> so, Matt, you were saying that that happened towards the end of Clone Wars? Was that some of the final stuff that was released? or uh, Within the last two seasons. Okay. Um, someone that died in the Coruscant Knights series. It was actually a book that I never got to. It's the third book in the series. But it was within the last two seasons. They just started offing Jedi that had been, already been offed. And they have so many to draw from. I don't know why they need to... And they could also make more. Yes. Well, the, the idea that I like about this being in Rebels is that, again, the idea of what's worse than just having a handful of Jedi left and then being killed off. Maybe some of them aren't killed off and they join the dark side. Yeah. Like, that's even mm -hmm. worse. So, that I, I, for the dramatic purposes, I really like that idea. No, I'm excited. Like, I have more excite 
for this uh, project. Here's now. a little bit of the directive that maybe will excite you even more, oh. uh, is that Rebels will center on a core group of characters. Filoni says, Rebels will stick with one story and one main group of characters. We wanted fans to get to know the new characters and what they're fighting for. So each episode will have its own unique story while still fitting into the much larger picture of what's going on in the Star Wars universe. In this way, it's more like the original trilogy, which followed Han, Luke, and Leia, where the prequel showed us the grand scale and political as well as personal. This will be a character-driven personal series. Focused. Yeah, yeah. And uh, when Hero Complex asked Filoni if uh, he'd be wrapping up any storylines in Rebels from uh, Clone Wars, he sort of dodged the question a bit, but went on to say, um, I've finalized the remaining Clone Wars episodes, and I think they'll really please diehard Clone Wars fans, especially the story arc with Master Yoda. That one is critical to the bigger picture. Star Wars Rebels will be in its own series with its own characters. That's not to say characters from other Star Wars media couldn't make an appearance in the series, but Rebels will be distinctive for its own new characters and relationships. But I think we'll all have to agree that Anakin's Padawan will have to show up. Otherwise, it'll be the most unresolved thing of all time. Right. I'm still not buying it. I still think she's going to end up being the main character. Of Rebels? I really, I really do, yeah. If she doesn't show up, it'll be the most unresolved situation that no one cares about. <laughs> Except for all the fans of Clone Wars Hex. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they exist. There, there, there were, are many, many kids that were very much into Clone Wars and Ahsoka. Dozens I, of I them. just want, I mean, again, if Ahsoka's the main character, fine. But she needs to die at some point. <laughs> just to fit, I'm saying, to fit, if you lead into A New Hope, you, you have to kill her off before yep, that happens. you do. Let her die a hero. Let her die awesome. Let her die facing Darth Vader, not knowing that that's actually Anakin. Unless Disney has grand plans about the fact that... I, what I love about Ahsoka is she's female, which is great to have a female hero. Wouldn't it be great if Disney had this crazy idea of incorporating a main female hero into the new films and it was Ahsoka? That's just my little child like, dream. How, how long does that species live, Matt? No, I mean, she, she'd be older. But also... She's also an alien. I don't know how they age. I mean, Yoda lives 900 years, so I mean... If, but he's old. If, if, she, <laughs> if she just has, like, twice the lifespan of a human, yeah, she'll be elder, but that's the whole point of a Jedi Master, is, like, they're older. Yeah. So, that's actually... Oh, dang it. No. But that ruins the continuity. Stop Again, caring we talked about, about this last Asaka. Time. We talked about this last time. That ruins the continuity with him saying, oh, Luke, when I die, you're gonna be the last of the Jedi. That's true. So she has to die. Kill them all! Star Wars blooper reel. Hey, we talked about this. It, it came out at San Diego Comic-Con. It was in a very small screening. A bunch of sources are saying, oh, you're never going to see this again. In the last episode of State of the Empire, we reported that yes, you are going to see it again. Mm -hmm. uh, and you right here listening to this right now can actually see it. We'll link to where you can on this episode's page. It's made it to YouTube. Finally released as part of J.W. Rensler, the Star Wars Archivist's enhanced edition of the making of Star Wars. Yay! Uh, you get a bunch of cool stuff with that if you want to get in deep with all the background material for creating the first Star Wars film. Rinsler does a great job and uh, we'll link to where you can pick up the enhanced edition of making of Star Wars and also like other things like just like the uh, Jedi one just came out. So we'll link to where you can pick those up. I should mention that uh, if you're planning on buying anything on Amazon, well, if you follow links from Nerdy Show, then uh, Nerdy Show actually takes in a percentage of what you buy on Amazon, whether we link directly to that item or not, so long as you follow our links. So you can buy the stuff that you're going to buy anyway, and we'll get a, a, like 6%, which is pretty good at no extra cost to you. Yeah, it just happens. Yeah. So whenever you need to buy anything from Amazon, like this yeah. holiday season, there's a link on the front page now. So <laughs> which takes you to a link on the forums, which explains the whole thing. But just to clarify. So, yeah, more good stuff. Comics, Star Wars comics, man, Brian Wood Star Wars is still kicking so much ass. If you're not reading it, what the hell is wrong with you? Follow the link on this episode's page so you can start reading it. It's one of the best things in comics right now, really. And that's not talking down on the rest of comics. 
And uh, since our last episode, the Star Wars finally came out. So we've got Star Wars and the Star Wars as our must-reads. Well, I, I, the Star Wars is optional, but is very intriguing. It is an adaptation of George Lucas's original script for Star Wars, and it is ridiculously different. One of the weird things about it is there's no script-to-page comparison here, so I don't know what any kind of inflections have been added or how it's actually worked out in the final version. There's lots of strange nods to yeah. other aspects of right. the films. Like, there's a, there's a kid in it that has the same, like, yippee, run away that Anakin has in episode one that's so fucking obnoxious. Did it happen in the Star Wars as a nod to the episode one film? Or did Lucas actually borrow that from his original script? Well, I'm also curious, like, if the borrowing from other sci-fi franchises is also direct. Like, the Emperor in the first issue looks like he's Merciless Ming from Flash yeah. Gordon. Yeah, yeah. Lucas borrowed heavily from Flash Gordon for everything. So I, right. I figure, like, the final product of Star Wars was that much farther removed from his inspiration and this one is significantly less farther removed from his inspiration oh yeah like i'm just slipping through the second issue here r2d2 talks <laughs> and not in beeps and boops <laughs> like he has dialogue with 3po and i mean it's i really it's hope he has a foul mouth he didn't have a foul mouth he had an attitude still but it was, it was different <laughs> had a lot of sass <laughs> it is very different it yeah. is very very different i wonder if maybe we can see an adaptation of the uh the earlier script of empire strikes back where uh vader isn't luke's dad i would, I would love to see it. i wish they'd go all, yeah go all the way with it do the whole tr the trilogy with the original script <laughs> none of which link up to each other right they're just all just, broken yeah just do it as individuals just do an individual thing so it's like watch a new hope the movie then read this as to what could have been <laughs> I, then watch those two movies then read the jedi one I, I gotta say there were actually some moments in the first issue of the star wars that were kind of crazy like there was some stuff that i just didn't see coming and i'm not sure i've ever seen anything like that that early in a film before right mm -hmm. uh, whereas you know some of it i could take or leave and it's pretty hokey i, I don't i don't know i, I kind of want to say it but i'm not gonna but just check out the star wars it's interesting at the yeah, very least I, I was in a little bit of a shock towards the end of the first issue which is some ideas that i had no idea were coming it is definitely very jarring matt how would you how would you rate the series overall i'll say i like it in regards to the it's very cool to see how if the movie came out like that it star wars would not be what it is today yeah. it's just it you know in lucas's mind it was so close to going in that sort of direction it just shows a lot about the creative process and, and just that you know it can be taken in so many different ways right like well what i was going to say is like reading this is a very interesting analysis of the creative process seeing how yes. transformative it is from thought to first draft to second draft to whatever this draft is to what actually makes it onto the screen what marvel earth planet are we supposed to be on 616 616 this is like looking at a comic book that fell through a portal from 619 <laughs> it's like it's like wait this is from an alternate dimension where star wars is like this what so it's like i like it on that level oh it's yeah like, and it's way more dune like if that yeah. gives anybody a perspective yes see and like that's what i love seeing much more obvious the references to the other sci-fi franchises in these not because I, I like seeing george lucas steel but i just like seeing what influenced him? How yeah. it influenced him? Again, yeah, yeah, yeah. With like the seeing how the creativity works. Right. Yeah. And then seeing how it transformed once again to what it finally was. Yeah. It's like uh, reading Lord of the Rings and thinking, oh man, this was almost Willow. <laughs> 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 that wasn't a segue, but Willow Watch is on the way. And also in comics news, we have something for you that's probably going to be the most unlikely recommendation you're ever going to hear from me or State of the Empire. There's an Ewok comic that you need to buy. 
I don't believe you. Wait, need? Well, I I bought it. I buy Star Wars and the Star Wars and haven't really spent any time with any other Star Wars comics in the last 10 years. And they were actually pretty good. I really this liked is, them. This is a Star Wars Ewoks original graphic novel called Shadows of Endor, written and drawn by a guy named Jack Giolongo. And uh, it is great. In it, you see Ewoks as kind of semi-realistic, like, you know, badass little forest animals that they are, tribesmen. This takes place just before Return of the Jedi and succeeds in uniting the continuities of the animated series, the two television films, and the mainstream Star Wars universe. That's that's a tall order. That's some Jeff Johns work right there. It is the Jeff Johns of Star Wars comic books. Wow. And you can watch those Ewok movies on YouTube. Like, so the, I mean, I don't know how they, by the time this podcast goes up if they're shut down or not, but I watched them again and they don't get better. <laughs> <laughs> they do not age well. I, I enjoyed them as a kid. And I never saw the animated series, but I was aware of it. But it, it takes it takes all that stuff and it says, OK, say we got to make this work. Let's make it work. And let's not only make it work, but let's make a compelling story in that world where it does work. So you mm. see like fierce monster killing Ewoks, blood, spears, lasers. It's got it all. It takes the, the goofy stuff and it streamlines everything into a unified world that could actually work with Return of the Jedi. It even explains why they have magic in the animated series and they don't by the time Return of the Jedi happens. Wow. Wow. That's kind of gutsy. Yeah. And Matt, you got a chance to read this comic? Not yet. I'm looking at it now. I'm getting very excited by it. You got to read it, dude. But we'll link to where you can pick it up on this episode's page. Star Wars Ewoks Shadows of Endor. I highly recommend it. It's really cool. And on that note, we have a song. Yes, yes, we do have a song. We have Cracker Jack Junction sings the Ewok Celebration Song. When we're feeling down and out And everything is wrong We just pick up our chins Swallow some gin And sing Okay, before we return to the Star Wars news, we got to give some shout outs to some awesome people. Nerdy Show is listener supported. Only you can make this show and all the other shows in the Nerdy Show Network and all the crazy stuff we do, like hosting the video stream for Nerdapalooza. You make all that stuff possible, and uh, we have a minimum amount that we need to make every single month, and last month you guys did it. It's 300 and 
In October, we got $431. What, what? And uh, when you guys contribute to us, if you say, if you leave us little messages, we give you shout outs and, uh, and share those messages with everybody else. So we got some right here. It's my favorite part of every show. <laughs> hearing, oh. the, hearing the message. All right, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> really? I'm excited. I it like is? it. Well, because like, whenever, whenever we hear for positive feedback, I'm like, someone is listening. <laughs> it just encourages me to keep going. So that's why I'm here. I just want to hear more of it. Aww. <laughs> This one is actually uh, from someone who helped us with all the stuff that was going on at Nerdapalooza. An awesome girl and a terrific friend, Chani, says, Been meaning to throw in forever. Protoman outtakes are a fine excuse. Less than three. Nice. Tyler Hooker says, I love you guys. Here's hoping you make your operating costs in time. I'll give more later if I can. Aw, that's an old friend of mine from college. <laughs> we started listening and he can't stop. Ross Butler says, It puts the money in the bank or else it watches Statham's crank. <laughs> <laughs> love it he means the film right uh yeah, it's, I, I said watches not washes but <laughs> either works <laughs> both experiences are extreme <laughs> barry i says reoccurring payment for oral pleasure that's a u r a l but you know what he really means <laughs> brent Burchard says i love the derpy show keep herping the derps <laughs> Matt Mighty Cox, all the way from Australia, says, Good day again, mates. Stereotypical enough? While chasing a dire wombat down its burrow, I stumbled across <laughs> a giant opal. So naturally, my first thought was beer money, not Foster's. My second thought was Nerdy Show. As for another microsode, let's go with Planescape Torment, which he did, in fact, claim. Ooh. Hmm. I don't even know what that is. Uh, it's, it's a game. Uh, Tony's played it. So we have at least one person who's played it, hopefully more. It's not some crazy Australian game, is it? No. <laughs> Planescape Torment. That's when we shoot the wings off your plane as you land in Australia. <laughs> Jesus. See who survives. <laughs> All the best, Matt Mighty Cox. And also Robert Stoneback and M contributed between now and our last episode where we talked. But hey, thanks to Grant Arundel, Jens Johansson, Frozen Treasure, Lawrence Hondrick, Craig Cosper, Sean Hutchinson, Tolan, Mauron, Benjamin Britt, Cassie Muldrow, and Gary Yur along with uh, the other people who we've read off the messages from that makes up our contributors from October. And thank you so much, guys. We're going to get all your perks in the mail. And if you haven't yet received your perks in the email, uh, check your spam folder because maybe they went there. That would be bad. Uh, be sure to, to file us not as spam. And uh, if you didn't get it, just email info at nerdyshow.com because uh, we want you to get those hot perks. And the new perk for this month is outtakes from Sick Puppy. We have just about 15 minutes of extra content from our um, most recent Nerdy Show Book Club episode, including a version of the uh, 911 recording that we recreated from the book Sick Puppy uh, without Mozart playing over the top. And you can hear Colin's sound design for this, which was really like with the Mozart, it's funny because it's so it's like so tragic and ridiculous and everything. But when you just hear it without the music over the top, it's terrifying. <laughs> so <laughs> so please enjoy. <laughs> See, another reason why I always like the the shout outs is that whenever we read someone who's like, hey, Ghostbusters Resurrection, because no one ever types it on the message boards. <laughs> it's the only time I hear it and then it disappears into the ether. Aww. So I have to savor it when it comes through. <laughs> so if you like Ghostbusters Resurrection, <laughs> I'm just being melodramatic. <laughs> but please tell us we're good. <laughs> and hang out in the Nerdy Show forums because you can hang out with uh, other people there who like the same stuff you do or get in fights with people who don't. <laughs> but mostly everybody hangs out and has a good time shifting over to video games there's not much to report but another blurb about star wars 1313 the smoldering corpse of what could have been the greatest star wars video game of all time 
is still being picked over with some very interesting <laughs> new grisly details. So you brought us up, now you bring us back down again. I don't know. At least we can enjoy what's left. Um, <laughs> like a buzzard. Um, <laughs> uh, concept These artist, aren't the droids we were looking for. <laughs> concept artist Gustavo Mendonca posted some of his concept work from 1313. Uh, much of the art pertains to the version of the game that focused on Boba Fett because it was more or less... There were two versions of it. One of it was like smuggler based and the other one was, hey, what if it was the Boba Fett game? Okay, if the Boba Fett origin story is thirteen thirteen, I'm voting for that. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> I'm still indifferent. I'm sorry. I'm still indifferent. Lucasfilm uh, said that Star Wars thirteen thirteen and LucasArts other canceled projects like Star Wars First Assault could be licensed out to third party developers. So I just remember some news that I mean, I don't know, it's video game related. How Telltale Games was like, oh, we would love to make a Star Wars game. It means absolutely nothing, but it makes me really happy. It, yeah, that's that's <laughs> yeah. This is this is not even remotely news, nor is it a rumor. It's simply that on Reddit, Telltale's Kevin Bruner said that he would love for Telltale to make a Star Wars game. And everyone yeah. who likes gaming ever went, we would like that too. Yeah. And I'd like to yeah, add and, and and that that's very smart because if the whole thing is that EA is licensing it to or you know they're licensing it out to third parties they should make noise and then have the fans say yes we want that too. Though there are certain kinds of games that Disney can still make and or hand off to somebody else most mainstream gaming isn't that and so EA has the stranglehold on all that but if EA wants to pass it off to Telltale they can. Yes. It's a weird situation, but unless EA chooses to do that, then Telltale can't do Jack. But I would love it. And also, I recently played the first chapter of The Wolf Among Us, the Fables game, and it was awesome. <laughs> so, Is it out? Yeah. Oh, Duan. And yeah. I, and on totally unrelated news, I pre-ordered my copy of Walking Dead Season 2. <gasps> so I'm already ahead of all of you. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, Fables is cool, though. Not as cool and, as Walking Dead. And I, I, haven't, I haven't even... I've read, like, the first book of Fables. Like, I'm not a Fables expert by any means. But uh, I think, actually, maybe The Wolf Among Us is a stronger game for it being the primary introduction to the series for me. So. Interesting. Hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. That, that a secondary source of information, just like The Walking Dead game, can make someone walk away going, wow, it's... I want to read more of that. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the other, the other thing about 1313 is that the tech of 1313 the thing that we saw demoed at e3 matt and i where they showed us how all the branches of lucasfilm were working together to make the craziest gaming experience of all time where they were doing motion capture in a virtual environment just like they made the avatar films but with the special lucas version of that real-time rendering tech was being used in the game well now that tech is being used for film uh there was a demo that we'll, we'll link to the video of it for the tech that was developed originally for 1313, it's basically going to be the future of filmmaking. Scenes are rendered out in real-time 3D environments, re- reducing the need for post-production. So, any, any possibility this has anything to do with Star Wars Rebels? I'd say, given how stylized Rebels art looks, kind of unlikely, but it's possible. I mean, because, uh, for example, the Jim Henson studio, uh, they do a, a children's program called Sid the Science Kid, which is actually, it's, it's a CGI show that is completely puppeted. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the behind-the-scenes stuff for the making of the Ninja Turtles film, mm. where they have the radio-operated mouths and heads and stuff. It's this fascinating combination of where they have a virtual set that actors are stomping around in using mocap bodysuits, and they're made, actually, so that their feet are in the shape of the characters, so they have the same kind of walk and gait that the character animations would have. And then, at the same time, the puppeteers are operating the mouth and eye movements and doing the, the, the live voice work. So there's already a precedent set for this in, um, in multimedia. And what this demo showed was basically an actor walking around a virtual 3D environment 
where it's not just the characters that you're seeing rendered live, but also the 3D space where like they'll bump into a box and the box will fall over in 3D space. So it's like they're acting inside a virtual set. And that's really what's new about this. Mm -hmm. Also, it looks so fucking good that when I saw the video at first, I thought, what am I? What's this film I'm looking at? Yeah, yeah. The thing that blew me away, too, was also like the real time weather changes. Mm -hmm. Like just on the fly, you can be like, you know what? Let's put a new building here. Bam. And then just like what repercussions does that have for filmmaking or video games? It is virtual filmmaking. And it is crazy. So if you haven't seen this demo, check it out. It's probably the future. (laughs) (laughs) Now, what you've all been waiting for, it's what you've slugged through the drudgery of State of the Empire waiting for just this moment. It's time for Willow Watch. What's the news? There's no news for Willow Watch. (laughs) (laughs) and cue the exit (laughs) but we can speculate we can speculate you know if if this is your first state of the empire you may want to check out the other state of the empires where we dig deep into the willow continuity and find all the reasons and explanations for why you might be able to see a willow film in the future and last time we announced definitively that disney does hold the rights to willow and that a second willow project could in fact rear its head someday however we know nothing new our warning level for Willow Watch is still uh, it's still quite low. It's Rock Dove. No, wait, you're right. We were at Rock Dove, but since there's been no new developments, does it go back down? No, 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 because it was... It Disappearing Piglet, Reappearing Piglet, right. then Rock Dove. Right. It beca- Once it was announced that it was with Disney, it that was Rock Dove. Dove. Yeah. And since there's been no regression of news... I guess just... It's still a rock dove. But regression of news is just silence. Or no, regression means, never mind, it wasn't with us. We, or or announcing know. for sure... We are not moving forward with like a definitive. Okay. Well, then you, know, you, you bring up a good point. So let's, so let's just, we're at Rock Dove. Someday I'm glad, I, glad we cleared that up. Someday I hope we'll get to Muskrat level <laughs> and <laughs> and maybe all the way. We get to Ostrich, I'll be shitting a brick. <laughs> like, <laughs> you'll know it's for real when that happens. But hey, I don't want to leave you guys hanging. I want to, I want to talk about some cool Willow stuff. And this is something that sweeps a little bit beyond Willow, but it's still cool and it seemed like a good time to mention it. There's a website called Tested, and they posted an expose on something that I'd never heard of, and I don't believe, I'm not sure anybody else here was aware of, a live show from the early 90s in Japan called the George Lucas Super Live Adventure. <laughs> Had any of you guys heard about this thing before this article was posted? No. Before the article? No, I, no. I'd never heard of it in a million years now. It's like, uh, but the article is fascinating. Yeah, how about you, Matt? I have not heard of it. Oh my God, Matt. Oh my God. I'm not even going to do it justice. Basically, we're going to link to this article. This is, a, okay. this is a lengthy article, but it tells a saga of the most ridiculous stage show ever made. So here's me talking about it in broad strokes. And if this interests you, check out this article. It is a fascinating piece With photos of and everything. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's as much information as possibly could be collected on this thing that was never documented. I mean, like, no one even fucking filmed this show. Between 1991 and 1993, one of the largest touring stage shows of all time was developed. And it featured Willow. So the George Lucas Super Live Adventure uh, mashed up all the most memorable sequences from Star Wars, Indiana Jones, American Graffiti, Tucker, The Man in His Dream, uh, which was a Lucas-produced Francis Ford Coppola film, and Willow into one insane stage performance. Japanese TV companies ponied up $25 million to finance the production, which included an elevated stage 60 feet across, a pair of giant screens for showing 70-millimeter projections of Lucas's films, hand-fired lasers, and a full-scale inflatable Millennium Falcon that landed on the stage. Hmm. 
and that's one of several large-scale inflatables that they built for this, including a full-scale Jabba. <laughs> in April 1993, George Lucas Super Live Adventure opened to a crowd of more than 10,000 in the Yokohama Arena in Japan. The show toured Japan for five months. As I said, it was never officially recorded, and this article is the best source relating to any information on it. It was based around a young Japanese-American girl named Hiromi, who would sit in the audience and be randomly plucked from her seat at the start of each show. She traveled through Lucas's film worlds with the aid of Shalendria's wand, seeking a hero to fight the powers of evil. I it- have Shalendria's wand! <laughs> <laughs> in the end, of course, Hiromi discovers that she was the hero all along. Aww. I hear the plots, you know, really, really fucking bad, but it just, it was explosions and lasers and stuff that was kind of illegal almost, and a bunch of technology that had never been properly demoed before. And man, read this article. Yeah, Um, really. Here's the Willow part of it. The fucking show opened with Willow. Willow enters from the back of the auditorium and hands a small bundle to Hiromi in the audience. And now I'm going to read some quotes as remembered by Scott Ferris, the man who conceptualized the show and brought it to life. Willow runs up on stage and he's confronted by the evil General Kale from the Willow movie. Holy fuck. Willow's frozen with fear and the general comes up on horseback, this giant Frisian, beautiful Frisian horse and climbs down, takes out his broadsword, and chops Willow in two. But he ends up with only a cloak. It was a great effect. Kale gets back on his horse and rides off, and Willow's discovered out in the house, and he grabs the girl and pulls her out and brings her up on stage, and she's got the baby, and that's the baby that the evil queen and Willow wants. This is the setup of the whole show. He brings her up on stage, and suddenly they're visited by this spirit, this fairy that appeared in Willow. Shalendria, dude. Um, (laughs) You just said her name, man. Well, actually, I I said it. Oh, you said it. Okay, okay. (laughs) And she speaks to them and says, we're looking for a hero to protect us. There's a dark force coming, and you've been chosen to find that hero. Take this wand, and magically this wand appears, and use it on your journey. It will help you. And... All the sets for the films represented the stage show were absolutely massive, like many stories tall. And the Willow set features a looming castle with a working drawbridge. What the fuck? Uh, this thing was crazy. There's no way to see it ever at all. Someone in Japan has got like a VHS camcorder there, version. They say there are some grainy videos out there somewhere, but you'd think that they would have filmed it. They talked about bringing it to America. It didn't happen. Right. I mean, man, this thing. Read this article. Here's another Willow tidbit. In 1989... Capcom made an RPG game for the NES. We've talked about this. I might mm-hmm. actually do a playthrough sometime in the near future. I remember that stream. Game. It was um, really bad. But they also, this is the part I didn't know, they also made an arcade side-scrolling platformer. I may have seen that. I've never experienced it. I, had, I, I looked into it. Certainly you can find the ROMs for it probably, but on YouTube you can watch all the levels played. There are some levels where you play as Will. There are some levels you play as Mad Mardigan. There are some levels where you get to choose. And it looks, it looks pretty cool. I found it, uh, a, an ad that would be like in a trade magazine for people who ran arcade places or places that had arcades. That had some interesting information about it. I said it featured Capcom's computer-aided difficulty adjustment, which automatically adjusts to each player's skill level. Huh. And I don't know if that's the kind where, oh, this guy's doing really good. Let's make it harder. It can feed those quarters. Or if it's like, oh, this guy's not doing good. Let's see if he can beat the game. I don't know which way it is. If it's for money, then it's probably got to feed more quarters. But uh, like, 1989, interesting that they had that uh, yeah. already. And also, there's a level where Matt Morgan fights a boss that's a dragon, a tiny dragon. And in this in this trade ad, it said, uh, Matt Morgan fights Mantanda. So Mantanda is the name of this expanded universe willow dragon that's probably something that you're not going to hear anywhere else. It's a stupid fact, but there it is. Is, wow. it, is, that, is that like two there's a dragon critics named, you know two video game critics uh, names <laughs> mashed together that's probably just a japanese word because i mean the score for this game doesn't sound anything like the score for willow hmm. uh so i'd like to do something now i was watching these games videos 
And uh, there, mm, there's some translation issues here. Uh, <laughs> oh, there, no. There's some funny words. So it, it opens with this, you know, the cycle of when, a, when an arcade game is, is idle, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, it says some stuff that's kind of funnily worded, and then the thing happens. So here's how it goes. I'm going to, you can watch this online. We'll link to where you can watch it, but I'm going to read it for you. It opens with a shot of the nursemaid running with the baby and Bav Mortars over the top, but she appears. She wants to destroy the holy baby, Elora Dannon, the evil queen Bav Morda. <laughs> he was selected as a protector of Elora Dannon against Queen Bav Morda, a peace-loving man, Willow Ufgood. He joins Willow's fight against General Kale, a fatal rival, a brave warrior, Mad Martigan. <laughs> A super game from Capcom <laughs> coming this summer. <laughs> and the games that you're watching this on the game. So obviously it's out already. Yeah. A magnificent fantasy filled with love, friendship and adventure. Love. Really? Huh? Willow. <laughs> Did you hear that? Willow. <laughs> yes. Let me re- let me replay yeah. that for you. The title comes up and you hear Willow. <laughs> let's, I think, let's, I think, let's, can we play I, it again? Let's, uh, I think wait, we wait, have wait, our wait, new again, soundbite again, when wait, we wait, start wait, Willow wait, Watch. I want to play it again. Willow. <laughs> yep, that is the new soundbite. It when sounds like Mr. Plinkett. <laughs> Willow. Winners don't use drugs, guys. Willow. Uh, here's, the, here's the rest of the, the lead in. The story has already begun for all brave players. And you see an Ebersick belching fire, and then, and then the scores. So the game starts, and you get this little, this little title crawl. One young man starts on his journey to save a baby saint from Bavmortis' <laughs> wicked hands. His name is Willow. And then the High Aldwin says, Willow, be careful. Bavmortis' fingers penetrate outside of the villa. <laughs> oh, boy. And, and then you start at stage one, which is called Crossroads, but in fact starts at the Nelwyn village. <laughs> was well, an emotional crossroads for everyone. <laughs> But the game actually looks like a lot of fun, and I, I look forward to playing it someday, but holy crap. <laughs> I can't even deal with that shit. I know, I'm like, it's... it's the holy baby. The, the holy, baby saint. The baby saint. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So yeah. we'll link to where you can check out those levels on this episode's page. Willow. Um, <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> so if we ever do get to play that it's like i'm gonna sit down it's like cap said it was a great game it's play you are great <laughs> willow willow winners don't do pizza rolls <laughs> uh, uh so thus ends willow watch willow willow <laughs> It's, not, it's never not gonna be funny. No, not, no. I just I imagine some guy at Capcom USA like localizing it because it's either one generated by some really bizarre late '80s simple text program, or it was somebody actually saying it. Come on, man, give it all. You gotta and, be mysterious. We gotta be, you know, draw the kids in. You gotta get the kids over to the machine. One like word, a, one take. Let's go. It sounds like a sad dad. <laughs> Willow, I guess. It's like. So if it's a sad dad, it's like, oh, I looked at my bank account. It's empty. All the kids took it out and they put it into quarters. Like, what did they waste all those quarters on? Willow. (laughs) 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 That's what it sounds like. Head cannon accepted. Hex, did you, in, in your travels on the internet, did you end up finding any Willow uh, erotic fanfiction? I, no. 
You weren't even looking, were you? Nope. I was. <laughs> Shame on you, sir. I was busy. Cap, are you going to look it up right now? See if there's any. Uh... If the name Willow is in the title of the I mean, honestly, fiction, honestly, all you, need a, all you need to look. <laughs> the, the, search, the search is difficult on account of the amount of Willow, Willow fan fiction pertaining from... to Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, bummer. <laughs> Willow and me. Gosh. <laughs> The bigs of the Willow. <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry. The wedge. He's the wedge He's of the Willow. The wedge, because yeah. he didn't die. Yeah. <laughs> I found something, but I don't. I'm not sure that it. I'm not sure that it's slash fic or not. But it's about Mad Mardigan. It's called Back in Chains. <laughs> Skim through it. Is there anything that suggests erotica? Uh, so far no. So far no. Oh man. <laughs> whoa. whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Mm, hold on, may maybe. <laughs> I like it takes. You know, this person's dedicated when it's that long of you clicking from page to page before you're like, maybe there's a hint. No, no, oh, it, man, it, it, it's so I, close. I, I thought it's like Mad Mardigan's in chains and Laura Dannon's queen, and he's he's in chains for some reason. I thought it was going to turn into this weird kind of like incestuous. It, well, I mean, mock he, he's, incestuous. He's, he only maybe raised her as a as a kid, so I don't know. Right. But for all we know, he got drunk. Well, they and left were, when her. Willow rode off on the little horse at the end. Uh, you know, he was at the castle waving as know. her guardian. It, yeah. In all likelihood, Mad Mardigan raised Laura yeah, Dannon, but yeah. in I don't know, in, this, in the context of the stories, I don't know. But it doesn't. It hadn't gone there yet. Oh, were, I don't know. So we we did have a listener who who was looking for some, uh, hadn't found any yet, and said if he didn't find any, he would make some. <laughs> uh, so hopefully that will happen. Uh, but if you can find some Star Wars crossover fan fiction with Willow or That'd some Willow erotic fan fiction, I don't know. But if you can find anything. <laughs> anything we'll read it in an amusing way either on state of the empire or perhaps as some kind of like an extra and oh, wherever because we know you don't you don't come for state of the empire for erotic fan fiction when wherever but, the word willow is stated it, it will be replaced with whoa. the sound button. <laughs> can we get that on like 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 a shock jock radio show please get a button in here of just we're <laughs> all uh, is that there... and the button right next to it mad monogam <laughs> Oh, so good. We have the worst soundboard ever. <laughs> the button after that. Light the 13th candle! <laughs> oh, God. Wanna breed? <laughs> <laughs> Not a woman! Not a woman! <laughs> Willow Trap Fiction. <laughs> <laughs> and that guy just has the shittiest luck. <laughs> oh, poor lug. Poor oh, lug. <laughs> His lug, like the guy from Return of the Jedi with the rancor, just. Oh. <laughs> Tempting, but no. <laughs> In this fan fiction, Frangine uses the dust of broken heart on lug. <laughs> Warning, I did not own any of these characters. And we all know that in the movie, Matt Morgan says tempting, but no. But in this version. <laughs> <laughs> Knowing this is the only way he could get his friends out of here to safety. <laughs> Make it happen. Is there any uh, any more Star Wars stuff you want to mention in this episode? You got to mention? I just did my research on Ahsoka on, the, on Wikipedia. Uh-huh. Before the show was canceled, she was on trial, a military tribunal, and they were thinking about kicking her out of the Jedi Order. So she may not be a Jedi. Huh. That's, Just throwing it out there. That well, sounds like a weird ass loophole. What was she on trial for? I never got there. It, it must have been within the last like two or three episodes that 
Is that some actually shitty, aired? Is that some shitty way to be like, well, Vader won't kill her because she's not a Jedi anymore. <laughs> we can keep selling toys and <laughs> kids don't have to cry about it. <laughs> but that's just that's what it sounds like to me. Just like, yeah. just a l- lame excuse to tell the kids, oh, oh, it's okay, no Jedi, no die. death. Well, we'll we'll see. Now that uh, George isn't calling the shots anymore, like Vader's walking. Are you a Jedi? No, I quit. Oh, okay. I used to be, but then they kicked me out. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, that's yeah. good. Me too. I, I understand, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Want to join me? We could go beat Get some, them up. You know, grab a cup of blue milk or something. It's like, yeah. <laughs> man, you want to just like, I don't know, hang out in a Star Destroyer and take pot shots at mouse droids or something, you know? <laughs> It's, it's really fun because they just like wheel around all the time. Like, try and stop me. It's, uh, drunk Vader is what this sounds like. Just, it's like breathing apparatus. He just takes one of the oxygen tubes off and just, you know, gets like gin in there or whatever. And, uh, it, it just, he's breathing gin, is what it is. Just, just a hair of the dog. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, uh, uh, man, it's a shame that Qui Gon Jinn isn't the one that that <laughs> killed him because hair of the dog that bit him would be Qui Gon Jinn and he'd be drinking gin. I don't know. That's a, that's a very roundabout. I, I'm thank thank you, Matt, for laughing because it, it was funnier in my head than when it came out of my mouth. Uh, I like Qui Gon jokes for some reason. <laughs> like the whole "Why can't we let Qui Gon's be Qui Gon's?" I love that one. What other Qui Gon jokes do you have? I think that's it. <laughs> But, but, but it's two for two. <laughs> well, if any of you listeners have any Qui-Gon jokes, send, send you, them in. Send, 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 send us your favorite Star Wars and Willow jokes. <laughs> as well as your favorite fan fiction. Uh, info at nerdyshow.com or post on the forums or comment on this episode's page. Do what you got to do. We want that stuff, though. Did you hear the joke where it's Empire Strikes Back and, you know, Vader chops off Luke's hand. And he's like, I'm your father. Luke goes, no, that's not true. It's impossible. And he goes, search your feelings. You know it's to be true. And he's like, no. And he goes, yes. And I also know what you're getting for Christmas. He says, what? That's how, how could you know that? I felt your presence. <laughs> <laughs> What's wait, where, where'd that come from? That's an old one, man. That's I heard, awesome. that. I heard never, that. I heard that in 1997. I've like, never heard wow. that. That's amazing. Yeah. I love it. It's fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thank you for listening to this episode of State of the Empire. If you like what you heard, please support Nerdy Show. We are listener supported and we rely on your generous donations and we'll send you cool stuff in your email. Uh, you can also earn microsodes where you can request that we talk about certain things at every $100 mark, $100, $200. We get 15 to 30 minutes of us talking about whatever you want us to talk about. And we like to talk, so it might go longer. It's, yep, it's, it often does. <laughs> sometimes things happen. Strange things. Bye, I'm Cap. Bye, I'm Hex. Bye, I'm Doug. Bye, I'm Matt. Taking us out. You know, there's not really many more Star Wars tracks that we can put into this until some new ones come out. So instead, well, we could hang out with our favorite robot men. Not too very long ago, we talked to the Proto Men about the forthcoming Capcom Unity Mega Man project. And part one of that project finally came out. It's Mega Man Rocks. And it's a compilation featuring all the great Mega Man influenced rock musicians. And the Proto Men have a brand new track on it, as well as two revisions of uh, some of their previous work. So uh, we, we talked about it on this other show, which we'll link to, but now we can finally play it. Here's Built to Last, the brand new song by the Proto Men. Have you not heard it? No. <laughs> Stop talking and play it. It's pretty <laughs> amazing. <laughs> Built to last.
Thanks for listening to Nerdy Show. Nerdy Show is made possible by A Comic Shop, Nerdapalooza, and the generous support of listeners like you. As listener-supported entertainment, we rely on you to keep this and other shows on the Nerdy Show Network alive by telling a friend, rating and reviewing us on iTunes, or making a contribution in our monthly support drives. Any size contribution gets you exclusive Nerdy Show voxophones and pictograms. Just go to nerdyshow.com support to chip in. For more episodes of Nerdy Show, as well as other fine programs, community forums, kinetoscopes, articles, and more, head over to nerdyshow.com. You can subscribe to all Nerdy Show Network podcasts via the iTunes Store. And for the latest news, follow us on all your favorite social networks. That's a good scene. That's a good Cube right there. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Matt can't see the joke, but it's all right. Hey, hey, Matt, Doug, to help him do the Watto voice, he has one of the uh, gigantic, way too high quality Watto drink toppers from Taco Bell. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> and, and he put a D20 dice into one of its hands. Oh, that's Chance awesome. Cube. <laughs> Red? We do Mega Man? <laughs> Blue? The Ewoks. <laughs> Hex, wave your hand. You own the small press, Hex! <laughs> but that makes no difference! <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 